Well, hey, everyone, welcome to your Enneagram Coach, the podcast. Well, if you haven't heard, guess what? We're on YouTube. So check us out over there. And when you do, please like the video and be sure to subscribe to our channel. Well, today we're continuing our conversation on type sixes by interviewing literally a panel of sixes. We've got four (laughs) of them here today. And we can't wait for you to hear them. Now, as we all know, type sixes have the same core motivation and EIP parts, but you can't put all sixes into the same box. So today we get to hear from each of their unique stories and how their EIP parts show up in different ways. Now, Beth was just using these three letters, EIP, and maybe you don't know what that stands for. It stands for Enneagram Internal Profile. You can go back to episode 112 where we go through uh, kind of a different perspective of talking about our Enneagram types. And also, if you are a type six, if you go back to our previous episode, episode 131, you can actually hear us talk through the EIP or the Enneagram Internal Profile for specifically the type six. Before we begin our conversation with our panel today, why don't we talk about what is EIP? And have you ever thought to yourself, this, uh, I, I feel a lot of different things. Or maybe you thought, uh, part of me wants to do this, part of me wants to do that. Or maybe your spouse or a friend says, like, hey, you, know, you showed up in a really different way in that experience. I've never experienced that part of you before. Well, this is revealing something about who we are as people is that we're not just one thing. We're actually a lot of things. And the map of the Enneagram helps to give insight into that. And it shows us in a dynamic way whether or not our hearts are aligned with the truth of the gospel. And so we use EIP to help us understand the various parts of how we relate to the world. Our main type has two parts, that is, our misaligned wounded child and the gospel-led Um, beloved child. And then we have our four connecting parts, the two wings, that's right, both wings, and the two paths. Those two paths can show up both healthy and unhealthy. When our wounded child is trying to lead, it's going to bring about some of the more less healthy, more uh, survival-oriented traits that we've picked up over the years. But yet, this other beloved part of our hearts actually is where the gifting really lies, because that's where we're able to move forward in life with faith and confidence in what all that uh, Jesus has accomplished for us in his life, death, and resurrection. So today, we've got three type sixes with us. Um, Plus and, yourself. And I, I can include myself, but I, I, this is about the guest and not yeah. about my interior world and yeah, all nope, my unhealthiness. You're included. Yeah, thanks, Beth. Going to remind me of what it, the joys of what it means to live with a six. Um, are you projecting? I'm not I'm projecting. Just what? I'm just you, that was you are crazy. Joke. I'm not projecting anything. I'm talking reality. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, uh, first up is Erin Sir, and she's a personal development coach and a certified Enneagram coach with YEC. She works with individuals and specializes in relationship dynamics and families or for families, couples, and teams. She enjoys helping people understand their relationships better so that they can thrive. You can find out more about her support groups she offers for each Enneagram type by going to www.erinsur, that's S-U-R, dot com. Erin, we're so glad that you joined us. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. And and so how long have you been interested in the Enneagram? 
So I have a friend that introduced me, um, spiritual mentor, probably about six years ago. And like all of us got all excited and geeked out on it and, you know, kind of learned all about, wow, you know, someone has um, introduced me to myself and that's why I do what I do and how I feel. And, um, and then of course, you know, you look outward, your family and everyone else and, then I started using it in my coaching practice, and it was so helpful and such a game changer for my clients, the ones that were open to it, um, that I was like, I, I have to get certified in this. So when That's I had, awesome. You know, I love that phrase that you used. It introduced me to myself. And uh, there, there is a dynamic of that with Enneagram. Like, oh, not only do those who are nearest to us say, like, that gives me understanding of you, but it also gives us understanding of ourselves, like, Oh, that's the word. That's what I've been looking for and why I do it. Well, next up is Adam Breckenridge. Uh, Adam's married to his lifelong best friend, Carrie. Uh, He serves as the director of coaching here at Your Enneagram Coach. He's been a pastor and coach for more than 20 years and is passionate about providing a safe place for others to grow and deepen their relationship with God, others, and themselves Adam, it's always fun. A lot of our listeners will know about you because you've been on these podcasts and led these podcasts, but uh, today you're here because you're a six. When did you find out about the Enneagram? Oh, man. So I was was about seven years ago. I um, I was, you know, pastoring church in Kansas City, did that thing where you hit the wall and, um, and burn out, and I fell into the care of an Enneagram coach who was also a type six in uh in his 60s so he was you know a uh, a little bit further down the road than me uh, a lot further down the road than me and um he helped me discover my type and uh i think I, I the moment i realized that i was my type like when i finally accepted that i was a type 6 was when despite the fact that he and my wife and others who were taking the enneagram around that time kept telling me over and over you're a 6 and despite that i still had I still wasn't sure. So every time they would say, no, dude, but you're doing the thing now. Like, like you're, you're, <laughs> you're doing, yeah, the you're thing. doing the thing sixes do because you're, you're reading all this stuff and saying, yeah, that sounds like me, but I'm still not sure. And it's like, that's, that's cause you're a six. You know? <laughs> like you're not, <laughs> you're not sure about anything. That's, that's like, that's you're, funny. you're typing yourself. So, um, yes. But, it, but, but, uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it is that thing of like, where you feel like you were introduced to yourself, you feel like you discovered mm-hmm. yourself. And I feel like I was being discovered and being known uh, by God in a fresh way. And, you know, that, that has it's been a life changing experience for me, for yeah. sure. Well, and next up is uh, Nathan. Uh, Nate serves as a special projects manager for the CEO of your Enneagram coach. Uh, he, which happens to be you. Which happens to be me. That's right. <laughs> Nate is my son. Um, he recently completed his Enneagram coaching certification with YEC. And not only has he been certified through YEC, but he's also has an honorary degree having been raised by Your Enneagram, Enneagram informed people. <laughs> so I, I would say, Nate, how long have you known about the Enneagram? But I'm not sure there's ever been a day that you remember that you didn't know about the Enneagram. Yep. Um, but it's it's been a, a lifelong story. So not only were you a pastor's kid, but you're now an Enneagram coach kid. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you, do you remember when the 
for you as adolescents, teenager, whatever, started to really recognize like, oh, this Enneagram thing actually is helpful? Yeah. Um, I'm not, ex- I'm not sure if I remember, uh, all of it, but what I do remember is wrestling through, uh, with my mom. Um, obviously your guys' Enneagram coach. Uh, <laughs> if I was a two or a one, and then probably about maybe a year into that, we finally landed on six and that's because I got into middle school and I started to experience some real life uh, tragedy and uh, adversity. And it was very clear that I was willing to forsake all ethical rules (laughs) for my friends. And I was loyal to, uh, to a default. And uh, so it was pretty clear from then on that I was six, but uh, it definitely helped. Um, but I don't think it was until later high school and into college where I really started to use the language of the Enneagram to not only just name what I was doing, but also to use it to see where I can head in my relationship with the Lord, myself, and with others. That's well, it was kind of, I think it's, what's interesting is like you were still well-versed in it, even when you went to college, but mm-hmm. it probably, like you said, it wasn't until you went to college that you realized, oh, wait, all my friends think this thing is really incredible. And yeah. you're the one that had most of the answers for it because you grew up with it. Um, sure. Then you started realizing, oh, yeah, this is really, this is super beneficial. Um, whereas mm-hmm. a lot of people, it was their first experience with the Enneagram yeah. was going off to college. So so mm-hmm. many different stories about what it means to parent uh, with through the lens of the Enneagram and so many stories of Great conversations, tough conversations, uh, and everything in between. So our last guest on our show and our last guest on the panel is you, Jeff McCord. <laughs> so tell us, how did you find out you were at Type 6? Um, well, we a mentor gave me Richard Rohr's book mm-hmm. in 2001. I was in a conservative Presbyterian seminary. And so uh, Richard Rohr was probably not one of our top 10 authors that they would have recommended at the time. So, But his therapist had given him a book, this Christian perspective on the Enneagram, and I skimmed it. I mean, I was reading a lot and working full-time in campus ministry, and so I um, skimmed it, thought it was valuable, and then talked with uh, Beth about it, but you devoured it. Well, at the time, I really thought I was an eight. And why is that? I, <laughs> I don't quite understand well, because someone, it was consistent with the way I was relating to the world. Bethany. Yeah, but someone else had some insights. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yes. <laughs> she Beth did not type me, but she thought that I was more like a six than I was an eight. And you were like, because then I was like, yeah, like my mom, like you ask all these questions and stuff. And he was like, I am nothing like your mom. Which is true because my mom is very much on the phobic self-preservation six, and you're very much more on the counterphobic. Yes, uh, one to one six. I did not like your mom reminds me of how anxious I really am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I did not. But like as a that. as a counterphobic six, six counterphobic sixes don't want to recognize their fear; they want to plow into their fear. Yes. And so for you, it was really hard. And the reason why I'm bringing this up, even though it's a tongue-in-cheek funny thing, because mm-hmm. it's like, ah. Who was right? Anyway, um, but the reason why I bring it up is because there's so many people out there that, especially sixes, that will mistype themselves 
um, in different ways because like, even like Adam, like, I don't know, am I sure I'm this? The yeah. sixes say the most, well, I'm not sure because it depends. Mm-hmm. And sixes say that the most. Yes. It depends. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> counterphobic sixes can have a hard time landing on their type because they do have on the outside a lot of behaviors and qualities that look very eight-ish. Yes. And that can confuse a lot of people. Well, what ended up happening is we went through a pastoral intensive at Dallas Seminary. And that same therapist who gave the book to my mentor, uh, we were doing some marriage and family counseling with him. And I had written out a storyline, kind of timeline of my life. And he said, Jeff, you're not an eight, you're a six. And I got so upset. <laughs> I I put the Enneagram away for an entire year. Because well, in your mind, you're like, I can't trust this. Uh, th- that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but there, and, you know, back to what Aaron said, I was introduced to myself. Yeah. And it was a part of my life I did not want to see. Um, but... Well, Adam, wasn't was that true for you too? Yeah. Like, yeah. wait, I, I don't have fear. I have anger. And it's yeah. like, well, yeah, let's, I would, I'll, let's stick I would, into that. I would have described myself as angry. And that was the less vulnerable feeling. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was, you know, I had a coach sit with me and, and be curious and pull the thread that I was able to. I mean, I could, once I saw my fear, I couldn't unsee it. And it was kind of day one of the rest of my life. I, yeah. I saw, okay, I'm actually very afraid. And, you know, a, a, a dog shows its teeth and bows up because it's afraid, right? So, uh, and that was, but that was how I coped with my fear. My whole life was just trying to get bigger than, than the fear, you know? And so uh, pushing into it, uh, getting angry, being, being more aggressive, whether that was in sports or the way I talked or, or, you know, what, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But just in all fairness, just to let the other sixes out there know that are like my mom, that's the complete opposite of how my mom was as a self-preservation six, a phobic six. She would succumb to her fears and anxieties and avoid them or try to get around them or prevent them from happening. Um, and so, and th- and I think that's what we read a lot more about in um, a lot of the, you know, books and stuff out there. Um, and so that's why this other um, kind of type of six doesn't, will mistype often because they're like, well, I'm not like that. So. Mm-hmm. Well, Bethy, why don't you uh, start us off with just giving us an overview summary of the type six? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the type sixes are so reliable. They're hardworking, dutiful, and steady. And you're going to find that these sixes are faithful. They're super courageous, loyal, and committed. Now they have this internal committee that offers them a lot of insights by chiming in with contradictory thoughts, um, all the multiple possibilities that are out there, analysis, worst case scenarios, and a flood of questions. And this inner committee constantly causes them to second guess themselves. And so you're going to see a lot of self-doubt and they're also going to look to consult with others before they make that final decision because of that self-doubt. I mean, you can imagine like if you have like, okay, well, I need to go do this. And then all of a sudden you have an inner committee that's saying, well, did you think about this or that? Or what about this? Did you plan for this contingency? Well, what if that doesn't work? All of a sudden you're kind of stopped in your tracks with analysis paralysis. And so you want to talk to someone that you trust to kind of give you the green light to move forward um, and to feel more safe and secure in that. So that's really kind of what's going on um, for sixes. Now their focus of attention is always scanning the horizon to predict and plan for negative outcomes, especially worst case scenarios. 
so that they won't happen and won't that they can prevent harm. But what I want you to see is just the great attributes and strengths that a six has. They are extremely loyal, faithful uh, to those that they put their trust into. They're also diligent, responsible, hardworking. They're so compassionate towards others, and they're great troubleshooters because um, they, they've already thought through all the worst case scenarios. So if you wonder, like, well, what should I do in this incident? They've probably thought of it and have a plan uh, for you. Um, the other thing I really love and enjoy is their great sense of humor. We have a lot of sixes on our YEC team. And when we ever do Zoom calls, we always are laughing and having great fun. So the sixes lead the way in that. Now, the sixes all have the same core motivation. So let's go through those. Their core fear is the fear of fear itself, being without support, security, or guidance, being blamed, targeted, alone, and physically abandoned. But they have a core desire of having security, guidance, and support. Now, they're going to wrestle with the core weakness of anxiety. Now, everyone can be anxious. That's not what we're saying is that the sixes have the take on anxiety. That's not what this is about. But for the sixes, the anxiety is that scanning the horizon and trying to predict and prevent negative outcomes. And so they're constantly thinking and planning and predicting and um, um, always on um, like the edge of their seat of, of what might happen and being ready for it. Now, for them, they have this core longing. The message their heart longs to hear and experience is you are safe and secure. Well, why don't we start off with this? Um, when when you first discovered, we'll go a little bit further in regards to when you first found out that you were a six. Share a little bit, and we'll start off with you, Aaron. Whenever you found out that you were a six, what was that experience like for you? I think it's a bittersweet um, because you now are understanding why I do what I do. And at first you're kind of like, oh, I don't want to be that person that is, you know, well, what about that? And what about that? Cause to me, that paints a picture of someone who's um, anxious or unstable. But then when you go deeper and you understand the six, then you're like, okay, um, you, I get flooded a compassion for myself and then my clients that I'm working with because you're understanding what's driving that behavior. But really what I love, when I found that out about myself is the tools to be able to then kind of calm myself down or talk through, um, okay, I'm seeing, I'm getting triggered a little bit. And then at that point, um, having the tools to kind of, you know, know what to do and, you know, that's okay. It's all good. You've taken care of it. Don't worry about it. So talking myself off the ledge and it's Mm -hmm. very comforting because you, you know, for me, it's, finding that balance and that medium of um, not, not always feeling anxious. And, and there's different sixes. I don't always feel anxious, but certain things will definitely trigger that six. And I, and I can recognize it now. We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes. From May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom from your type? 
Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening. But when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90 minute sessions and there's eight of them. Plus you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. Adam, what was it for you that convinced you that you were a six? I mean, probably, as I said earlier, the, the fact that I wasn't sure uh, about being a six <laughs> was kind of the, the proof was in the pudding. But um, no, to me, I think one of the things that honestly uh, convinced me that I was a six was I noticed that um, I noticed when I took when I when I first, you know, took the Enneagram and started reading about a six, I felt so exposed and that to me there, I knew in my gut, like, this is, this is pinning me to the wall. This is, this is reading my mail or whatever, you know, however, however you want to say it. I knew that it was right. And then the, the, the next thing that happened that proved to me that I was a six is I started to go into self-protection early on. And I started to think in my mind, here's all the people that cannot find this out. Like, in my mind, I was like, here's the people that cannot know this about me because this will be used against me. And it was that, mm. you know, authority will use this against me. Like, no, people can't know this. And honestly, in that place of fear and going deep into the, you know, unhealthy pathology of a six, the spirit of God honestly just spoke this comforting word of, hey, I know all this about you and I love you. And it was a profound experience of having parts because part of me was scared. Of, of the exposure, part of me felt profoundly comforted uh, to be that known and that loved. It was so, uh, I felt some security of, for once of like, man, I know myself and, uh, and God knows me and he knows all these things about me and he loves me and the right people will, will still love me, even though they know these things about. And here's the funny thing is my wife already knew all these things about me. She knew <laughs> I was hypervigilant and <laughs> yeah. anxious and and she loved me. Oh, that was totally Beth. I mean, when I, I was, she stayed so quiet and kind to let me boast about being an eight and <laughs> knowing the whole years. time for five years. Yes. No, but okay, but in all, but in all honesty, that's why mistyping is such a real thing because yeah. you you did appear very eightish in that fear. So I think that's you know it's something. For us to recognize that's why the core motivations are so important because it's not about the outward manifestation of the type. It is about why you do what you do. Well, why don't we take our first step and dabble our toes into EIP. There are two basic parts to our main types. That is the wounded child, the misaligned wounded child, and the aligned, aligned with the truth of the gospel, beloved child. So we're going to focus in on the wounded child. The wounded child's the part of our main type that has been hurt, uh, betrayed, experienced the pain of living in a fallen and sinful world. It's the vulnerable and tender part of our hearts. It reacts from a history of painful experiences. As a matter of fact, we may even feel a bit younger, or it may put us in certain situations and reminding us of its story. Its primal need is to protect itself from more harm. 
Beth, why don't you talk about what the wounded child looks like for the type six? Yeah. So as a child, type six has longed to hear that you are safe and secure and to really experience that. And they desired to have that guidance and support and security because the world felt so dangerous and very overwhelming and unreliable. And so they would avoid potential harm, chaos, insecurity, um, and try really hard to predict and strategize of what might go wrong and to get away and around it. Now, their inner committee starts at an early age, informing them of all the possibilities that could happen. But this also brings a lot of uncertainty and confusion to this young mind. And so all of a sudden, they have this indecisiveness, this self-doubt. Now, for them, they're really trying to seek out a reliable source, someone that can guide them, an authority figure that they can trust that would provide them that safety and security. The problem is sixes really struggle to trust authority figures. And so they then it causes them to continually experience anxiety and worry. Now, the uh, wounded child part will also add to this by saying false messages. And it convinces the wounded child, this um, little child, that it's true. So some of the false messages would be, it's not okay to trust myself. That's a message that they would hear. And they would be convinced of it. And a lot of it comes around because of that inner committee. Well, which part am I supposed to listen to? Um, and so for them, they really saw the world as a very dangerous place. And they just longed for someone that they trust, someone stronger, wiser to come along and say, you are safe and secure. I've got you. And this continues to be the message that adult sixes long to hear and experience as well. So, Nate, uh, let's talk with you because I, although we have faced hardships as a family, and um, but it's not a particularly tragic storyline for you, but yet you still felt a little unsafe in the world. Uh, tell us about when you started to identify the wounded part of your own heart. Yeah. Um, so I would say, like I said earlier, probably middle school was when um, I really started to see that wounded child uh, in my life um, before. And when we've talked about this a lot as a family, but um, I was a very innocent, happy, uh, fun kid that um, I think my seven wing came out a ton. and. Um, <laughs> used a lot of two as well in my tri-type. And so I was just very happy. Um, but in middle school, as my friendship started to deepen and I also started to fall into depression for the first time, um, struggling with some learning disabilities, uh, as well as um, a decent amount of pressure in my Christian school um, to kind of be the good pastor kid um, and a leader. Uh, I would rebel in different ways. Um, and I would get angry at the injustice of uh, expectation or that I wasn't allowed to be a kid anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, I think from an early age, I would tell you guys, I can't wait to be an adult. I just wanted mm -hmm. adult things because I thought that's when you landed in a safe place. Mm -hmm. Because as a kid, you didn't know enough. You didn't you weren't prepared, you weren't ready. And so that's where the, I can't trust myself mm. came from. And so it was either spiritual guidance or, you know, where do I go? What do I do? 
all those kinds of things. It was just endless thoughts. Uh, and also, um, like in middle school, you know, your loyalty, like you said, your friendships deepened and your loyalty deepened. Mm-hmm. And that got really hard when you saw injustices. Um, cause it wasn't so much that injustices were happening to you. Right. So in seventh and eighth grade, uh, I was in the same private Christian school and, uh, we had some very difficult, uh, uh, history classes. And a lot of my friends, uh, including me were studying countless hours for these exams and, a lot of us were failing them, um, if not getting very low grades for how much we were studying. Well, me being the loyalist that I was and that I was becoming to know, um, I actually took, uh, I found the answer key and took it to school and started writing the answers on note cards and giving it to friends who wanted it. Because I thought it was such an injustice that they were asking these seventh and eighth graders to put 10 plus hours into studying for a history exam that I wasn't going to let my friends fail. And so we finally got caught and, uh, you know, it was this big fiasco and all this stuff. And still, I told certain friends to not share that they cheated uh, because they might have only done one thing and I was going to take even more of the blame. Uh, And so it was pretty clear at that point that I was not a one. (laughs) (laughs) A type one would have never done that. But I was willing to forsake any rule or ethical decision for the sake of Mm -hmm. my friend's Um, and you know, as much as I am sad that that story happens and, and that there is that, uh, conflict, um, there's part of me that doesn't regret it because, uh, I think I'm, I'm really thankful for that part of my heart that is willing to protect those that, uh, I love that I trust. Um, and it shows just when you have a sixth trust, you have them all. Like Mm -hmm. we are all in, even if you're not. Yeah. So let's go ahead and move towards the beloved part uh, and, and talk about what, what is it that we can do to bring healing to this part of our wounded child? Well, the beloved child is that part of us that's spirit filled. So the um, the New Testament talks about old self and new self. It talks about the flesh and the spirit. Um, and so there's this dynamic happening inside of a matter of fact, Paul even explains it as a war that's happening between us because we it does, these parts of us desire different things. Well, when we were speaking to the beloved part, we're actually talking to the part that's spirit filled that where the spirit guides, the spirit leads, the spirit reminds us of all the things that Christ has done for us. And which actually becomes the very part of us that uses all of these various skills that we've used to survive as the wounded child now become a gift, an instrument in our sense of calling and relationships with others. And so, Bethy, why don't you walk through what the beloved child looks like for the type six? Yeah, so the beloved child, the great thing about it is that it knows who you are, but more importantly, whose you are. Like you said, it's the spirit-led self. It knows 
as a six, it knows that they're loved, that they're provided for, that they're safe, and that they have all of Christ's blessings. And then they no longer have to seek safety and security from all the other people out there, that they can get it straight from God himself, that he will give them the guidance, the information, the discernment, the insights that they are so longing for. And part of that can be through people. Um, but we know that he will provide in his due timing. So instead of hearing those false messages, the beloved child can say to them to itself, because the Holy Spirit's discernment, guidance, and support are now mine, I can confidently and courageous face life's trials with assurance that I'm going to be okay. Well, Aaron, why don't we start with you and maybe just share a little bit about that wounded part of your heart as a six, but also how the beloved shows up for you mm-hmm. in bringing healing and leadership to your wounded heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my wounding clearly came from my childhood and really my family dynamics. And I was a third of three. My sister was five years older. My brother was four years older. And so, um, and my mom worked, she was very successful in her career. And in, even after hours for her, when she got home, she's a pediatric nurse practitioner. She, and she's a lactation consultant and, you know, the world's top breastfeeding advocate and, all of that. And so she would be on the phone for hours, even helping these poor moms that were like, you know, I can't get my baby, you know, to nurse. So for me, I often found myself kind of just kind of trying to figure life out by myself because it was just kind of like, you know, siblings kind of weren't around parent and I had, you know, a great childhood. It's nothing. It was, it was just more circumstantial that the wounding from me was like, I got to figure it all out for myself. Mm. Or I, I often found myself um, unprepared or ill-equipped and not feeling empowered to, you know what I mean, kind of be able to navigate a little bit. So I quickly realized I have to navigate things. And by doing that, I need to kind of foresee stuff because I, I'm not having, you know, someone maybe go ahead of me or, or you know. So anyway... On the healing um, side of that is um, it really did help me as an adult and really the Enneagram did help me to understand that side of knowing that, um, you know, oftentimes they say for sixes is courage, but really I like the the word of faith mm-hmm. because it is then having faith in God that ultimately he is going to take care of me. And then, um, you know, understanding that, piece of the Enneagram of like, okay, um, it's just, this is no longer serving me Mm -hmm. anymore that, that I understand why I kind of get triggered or react that way, but I don't have to stay there. Mm -hmm. And so that side of it is just having the, um, the relaxing, um, and knowing that, um, God has my back. He gave me an incredible husband who's a nine, who is just my rock. And so having him and um, just that support system and, and yeah. that healing side of the Enneagram has been amazing mm. to I, help to know and be confident and courageous, you know, that I can go out in the world and I don't have to, you know, control everything. That, or that one that, transition that you spoke to of that I, I feel like I'm alone in the world and I'm going to have to start foreseeing things in order to make it in this world. You, you said it in different words, but I, I so resonate with that transition because it's so default for me. I get 
even at, in my conversion experience, it it was I I I'm going to be the best you've ever seen. Meaning, it it wasn't like I'm going to need somebody's help to do this. It was just I'm going to prove that I can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and which, you know, if 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 a little kid comes up to me and says, "Yeah, I'm going to show you," one of my kids had ever come up to me saying, "Like, you know, I." I'm going to be an adult. I know how to do this. I'd be like, hey, let me help you. But for some reason in that six heart and seeing the world, it was I'm out here alone, and now I have somehow have to prepare for whatever contingencies may arrive. Uh, Adam, do you have anything else you'd add to what the beloved does when that's embodied and how it leads all of your various parts? I would add, you know, if you're familiar with um, – well, first of all, I'll say I'm, I'm the, the, the experience of being alone and uh, feeling almost detached, like I don't have a, like I don't have a secure base um, was, was, it's really, that's the image. It's not just one specific memory, but when I look at my wounded child, that is the image I have of him. It's the way that that part of me felt. And, uh, and, and so, but one of the gifts that my beloved child, this spirit led self brings is I think about Psalm 131, um, where David says, uh, I have calmed and quieted my soul. And, you know, what I love about that is, is, um, David's not tooting his horn, but (laughs) he doesn't say like God calmed and quieted me. He he says, I have calmed and quieted my soul. So there's this element of self-leadership or self-control, um, at, at play. And, I am. I have not arrived at this. I am learning this. I'm very much a student at this, but I I can say that I've tried this on and it and it works. Like, so the opposite of of calm is is anxious, and the opposite of quiet is loud. You know, and that's the way the the wounded child feels. Feels very anxious. The inner committee is very loud. There's lots of internal frenetic energy that's happening there, um, and. I have found that this part of me, uh, the, the beloved child brings this ability to center myself, um, in the gospel and, and bring about a peace and a calm to myself. And it may look like backing away from my desk and breathing for five minutes or going for a walk or something along those lines. But I'll say this, this is, this is, this is actually, I've actually just put words to this recently. This is what, um, feels so profound about, the beloved child's voice and presence whenever that part of me is driving in the spirit is that that part of me will remind me, which is also the spirit's job, right? To remind Mm -hmm. us of, of what Christ has said. And that part of me will remind me of God's promises and remind me of God's presence that God is. Mm -hmm. I mean, the number one thing he says is don't be afraid. Why? Because I'm with you. And so that part will, it will remind me. And what's so sweet about it is that the promises of God, when, when that happens, no longer feel like cold platitudes. You know, there's a way to, there's a way to counsel people where it's Mm -hmm. like, take two, two Bible verses and call me in the morning. Mm -hmm. You know, um, here's a couple of platitudes to slap on your, your anxiety and bada bing, bada boom. It doesn't feel like that. It feels authentic. And that's what's so important to the wounded child and to, to a type six period is just that yeah. authenticity. But what happens, the wounded child, it's like resonates with what 
the beloved child is saying because the wounded child is going, oh, he he's actually tasted and seen this. Like he's experienced, like it's almost like the wounded child wakes up to Adam has actually experienced the love of God. He, mm. Like Adam is not, he's not an orphan. Like this is an authentic He's saying he's he's reminding me of of and coaching me along God's promises because he's actually experienced them. You know, like this is yes. it feels so it feels it goes from being this platitude to being this real this reality. And and that has been a, that only recently have I named that that's what it's felt like. Um, in the past, I've I've relied I think on my top five, which we'll talk about in a minute probably, but has has tried to use logic to talk me out of my fear or like. Thrown, thrown Bible verses at me or theology or knowledge in a way that feels like cold platitudes. And it's mm. not helpful. It's mm. not helpful. But the beloved child shows up with a completely yes. different presence, a completely different presence. Yeah. Well, next up is we're going to start talking about the connecting types to our main type. So if you look at the Enneagram symbol, you'll notice there's two numbers, and we call those wings uh, that are right next to your main type. And then there are the lines and arrows that speak to uh, the Enneagram paths. Well, for the type six, we have two wings. And what one of the unique things that we're trying to emphasize here is that we use both wings. Mm-hmm. Now, we may use one more than others, and one may show up in certain contexts versus others, but they're both part of who you are. They're, it's not just a descriptive subtype. It's actually much more than that. These parts of you have personality, they have desires, they have um, motivations behind them, and whenever they are working on behalf of the wounded child and they start to operate in a uh, misaligned or an unhealthy way, but if they're being led by the beloved part, you're going to find these parts of you as a gift. So for the type 5 wing, uh, that's the part of the six that's observant, wise, curious, analytical, intellectual, emotionally and, a dis- and emotionally distant and independent. It feel that this five part doesn't feel like it has enough knowledge to move forward competently, and therefore it's going to withdraw to gain information. It needs to feel guided and secure. So when your wing five part is misaligned and trying to protect your wounded child. You may notice a few things. Uh, you may notice that building boundaries so that uh, you can privately process your racing thoughts and anxieties and escape people who are draining you from in- draining your energy. Uh, you may become fiercely independent, secretive, maybe even isolated to protect yourself from potential harm or disloyalty and betrayal. You may look to books or belief system for guidance and security more than your own committed relationships. When you're five part, when this wing trusts uh, in the truth of the gospel and is being led by the beloved child, it no longer needs the unhealthy strategies to protect itself. But from this place of rest, you're going to notice a few radically different things. And they're going to be more insightful, well researched, willing to courageously engage with life's uncertainties, uh, to know that they are resources and they are prepared with whatever may come up. They become more generous and give to others from the wealth of wisdom and information that they've gathered over time. And they may connect with others from both an intellectual place as well as an emotional. So tell me this, and uh, I'm not sure who would like to go first here, but uh, Adam, maybe we'll start with you. You mentioned your five wing. Why don't we start with you? And so your five wing at times starts to lead by, I'm going to do this theologically. I'm going to do this intellectually. 
Yeah, no, that's exactly it. You know, I will try, I've noticed I'll try to my top five part when it's, when it's showing up in the, with a self, in a self-protecting way, you know, to kind of protect the wounded child in service of the wounded child. I'll try to connect, connect with people with my head instead of my heart. And I will lead out of intellect. I notice that I'll try to, I'll try to connect and lead out of my competency and, and I'll try to use logic and, and theology or reason, whatever I can to avoid my emotions, especially fear. And I'll even use Bible verses to shame my fear, you know, like to, and so I'll, and, and that's just one of the ways that type five can show up in a, as you're yes. saying, in a, in a misaligned way for me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, Aaron or Nate, um, do you guys resonate with the five part of your heart and how does that show up in your life? Yeah, I'll jump in. Um, I definitely go to my five for security because it feels like I'm doing something <laughs> because at that point I can like, okay, what's the game plan here? You know, and it's kind of satisfies or pacifies that, that kind of anxiety or, or I feel out of control. I, so now I want to feel more control. And so what's the plan? And so mm-hmm. I'll, you know, specifically, start to like map out what that is and gather information. And it's, it's making me feel more, you know, comfortable or confident to, to get all that on board so that then, you know, I can, it just kind of relieves that pressure for me. So then I'm like, okay, I have a a plan in place or I have information or that I did maybe get some answers, um, feel more equipped or empowered. Um, And so you know, that's the unhealthy, the healthy yeah. also then feels um, in us. It's kind of ends up being more of a spiritual version of it where I'm not running on anxiety to gather the information. Um, I call it like the turtle, like I can, can pull everything in my mm-hmm. head and my, I mean, I got to get all that information mm-hmm. like the five does so I can go back out, but it's different on the beloved child um, yeah. because it's, it's a completely different energy. Like what Adam was saying, it's now empowered um, because I'm going and checking in with, with God, with the source. Mm. And that's completely different than just gathering information from the world to equip it. It's more, I'm like, okay, now what's driving is, is God's power and his wisdom and his, the Holy spirit is now, and it's just, it's completely, and it, it is that, Oh, that, that, exhaling. And, um, when I really lean into him, then it's like, okay, you know, I'm good. And especially if I feel like I'm right there in alignment and I'm hearing God go ahead of me, kind of like, you know, Joshua, like you would, um, kind of quoted Joshua, do not be afraid. Um, do not fear. I'm always with you. I'm, you know, I'm ahead of you. And so I kind of have to tell myself that and then go into that, you know, prayer, whatever it is for me. And then I'm like, Okay, so that feels very comforting because it's the opposite of my wounded, which didn't feel like I had any guidance. And then as an adult, I know where my um, source and guidance comes from. So, um, But I have to still choose it. I still have to choose to go to him and not Aaron and my default because I I want to default me. But I have to now, it's like, wait a minute, you're defaulting to yourself that's only going to, you know, you're going to burn out or that's only going to take me so yeah. far. So then it's really reminding myself to go there and, and really get equipped in the right way. You know, it's interesting to, to hear you guys 
talk about my own experience because <laughs> it's very similar. I can remember specific times where I'd be I'd come up to a situation or circumstance, and that could have been a sermon, a leadership decision, uh, change in organization, any number of things. And you know, I immediately Amazon would start showing up at the door, <laughs> like I'm buying books, baby. Yeah. And I mean, it's I'm going to prepare for this. And it wasn't until in my 30s that I started to realize, like, this rarely works. <laughs> like, I've read all this information, and when I finally got to the place where I needed to execute, like, I, it, I needed a whole other set of data points and skills. And I, I just I eventually came to the point to recognize, by faith, I'm going to choose not to study this and just trust that God's going to show up whenever I need it. But it was by faith. Like, I mean, I, there's nothing inside of me. You know, I, I call this five part of my heart. I call him Bob because uh, Bob is an admired mentor in my life. He's a pastor. He introduced me to the intellectual side of pastoral life. And uh, so I really respected him. Uh, and But Bob, man, I mean, he can, he can buy some books online. <laughs> and, but sometimes he really just does not come through. But I will say there is the gift of the five, and the gift of Bob in my life is that even if I'm not intentional about it, I'm always gathering and I'm always learning. And that capacity to learn and be curious about a lot of things is a gift for the six, because whenever it's the moment comes, usually I've got something. And Beth usually comments to me like, how did you remember that? Like, how? where did you pull that from? Yeah. Because yep. it... It, but it's, I don't know why it just sticks out, but there's sometimes that things stick out and I remember them and eventually they show up in life and, uh, you know, may the Spirit's reminding me of it. Well, the next uh, wing is the type seven wing. And so, Nate, you're going to be first on type seven. Yeah. Um, Nate, Nate's got a lot of seven in <laughs> that's him. That's right. <laughs> so the seven's outgoing, spontaneous. I can get a little distracted and impatient. This seven part of the six's heart is friendly and likes to have fun. It helps to establish larger support systems through friendships and broader connections so they can immediately seek guidance from others when you feel uncertain about what to do. When the wing seven part is trying to protect your wounded child, there are a few unhealthy behaviors that show up. They begin to demand that others meet their needs for excitement and fun to distract you from your own anxieties. They use escape hatches, uh, these kind of unmitigated uh, indulgences, to avoid anxieties and self-doubt, to try to get away from the contradictory thoughts of their inner committee, which I do want to talk to you guys about the inner committee and how you experience it um, uh, for you personally. But uh, they avoid, the the seven part is seeking to avoid feelings of pain, sadness, and disappointment by looking at the brighter side of life and uh, seeking out new adventures. When I saw Bright Side, I thought, did you guys ever watch Monty Python? Oh, yeah. Look on the bright side of life. Again, success humor. That's so good. But when our seven wing, that part shows up under the leadership of the beloved child, it no longer needs these unhealthy strategies. So you're there, it's going to look a lot different. Experience moments of grace and joy, which enables their hearts to be more trusting of others and God. 
believe that life is not all serious and daunting with all of its different contingencies, but actually they can move towards richness with life-giving experiences and emotions, including happiness, abundance, and freedom. And they can relax from their role of always being the responsible one mm-hmm. and delight in just being present with people. So like we talked about with our five, now let's talk about the seven. So Nate, tell us about how your seven part shows up. Have you given your seven part a name? <laughs> I have. Uh, so I call my seven part Bing Bong. Uh, he <laughs> is from the movie Inside Out. He's yes. That, that little toy yes. that she forgot about and uh, Joy found him. Um and man, he gave so much life to that girl. Um, and his sole focus was just bringing joy to her heart. And so as I pictured uh, my seven part, um, I think I realized this in college through counseling, but um, that my seven part, uh, you know, with led by the wounded child yearns and needs connection to a very unhealthy place. Like you said, it, it has to be with people. Um, but led by, uh, the beloved child, man, I see so much calmness and joy, uh, and laughter, uh, and peace. Um, and so I, I can think through moments where, you know, you, you might take out your phone and take pictures and videos and you're like, I got to capture the moment before it's gone and all that. And, you know, maybe I would be frantic at any other time or anxious, uh, to really savor it. And I, I don't feel arrested in the moment, but there are times where I feel myself just calm down because the beloved child is there and present. And so, Bing Bong is allowed to do his best mm. and just to, you know, make a smile come on my face to, uh, to look at the people around me and to enjoy the moment, to look at the Lord's grace and enjoy what he has for me. Um, but wounded child wise, um, this yearning for a connection, uh, I, I told, um, some of the coworkers the other day that I almost scored, the most extreme extrovert on the Myers-Briggs when I was younger. Um, and I'm not life of the party extrovert. I am just almost always wanting to be with people. And it doesn't have to mean we're doing a ton of stuff. It's like, I just want to be there. And so growing up, especially with our family um, and friends that I had, um, I had to be with someone. I I remember there was a girl I dated in high school. She went out to hang out with some friends. um, And, uh, you know, they were her friends. They weren't really my friends. So I I didn't go. Um, But I'm not sure, mom and dad, if I told you this. I'm sure I did. (laughs) But on the podcast. (laughs) No, no, no. no, no. It's not not bad. Everybody lean in. Everybody. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, I I felt like a zombie mm. at that moment. Like I felt all energy leave me. Uh, you and, know, Nate, to be quite honest, yeah, we would see that, oh, experience yeah. it. Like we yeah. just 
you you were like a zombie walking around the house aimless like i i'm not with people well, i don't know also, what to do with myself also it'd be like yeah. hey go go play your guitar you know you're really <laughs> no, great at that and he's no like way. i'm supposed to go in my bedroom by myself and practice guitar like that's so boring i mean uh-huh. just, just <laughs> listen to best tone of voice and if you're watching on youtube you would have seen her face that's what nate looked like <laughs> like he just lost all affect yeah I'm going to be alone and yeah. there's no happiness in being alone. <laughs> but if I were like, hey, just, okay, bring the guitar down here and while I'm cooking, you can practice and, you know, right. and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. The difference. <laughs> yeah. So, so Nate is always connecting. He's uh, connecting with other people, like people to people, you know, like, hey, you got to get to know this person. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, what's interesting is as I'm listening to you, I hear the sweetness of not just the the beloved child seven part, but the nine as well. Like they're right. they're working together so that yes. the the nine is bringing this sense of calm to the six, but also which allows you to experience the joy and the fun. Well, yes. it, and even noting too that seven like attributes mm-hmm. are very six ish. As mm-hmm. Nate was describing yeah. it. Yep. Yep. It's yep. not the same frenetic energy that you can get from an unhealthy seven. It's very six ish right. using seven energy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Aaron, Adam, uh, do you have a great relationship with your seven wing and how does it show up well, in your life? Well, I mean, life? Adam's nickname has been the jester. <laughs> yeah, but is that his, is that his seven wing? Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> it, that, that, for, for, for years, that's what I've called that part of me is the jester, which now. He's known as the Jackal for other reasons, but um, <laughs> yeah, li- li- listener, viewer, uh, the jester part of me is the type seven. And, and recently, uh, well, shortly after I onboarded on the team, Jeff, we were in a team meeting and you you called out the seven part of me by name, except you used the wrong name. You said the Jackal's here uh, instead of the jester. And that has stuck. So... <laughs> It is totally stuck. So now the seven part of me is the jackal. Um, but yeah, so it's, it is this part of me that like Nate was saying in high school, it especially manifested as, um, I was, uh, I, I was with people and I was, I was the, I wasn't trying to be the center of, of attention or the center of the room. Now the, the, it's what you, it's what you mentioned earlier when you were reading your description of a misaligned seven part is it's, it's this part of me that wants to reach for escape, um, or reach for the fix. And, uh, um, when it, when it is most noticeable is like at night or on the weekends when it's like, <laughs> man, I've, I've worked all day. We got the kid, we finally got the kids in bed and, and I'm, you know, embarrassed to admit it, but like, I just want to like mindlessly look up, look at stuff on Amazon or, or, you know, Zappos. I want to look at shoes <laughs> while having stranger things or the office or something on TV in the background. And then like my favorite snack, like, I just want all that stuff. And I just want to like totally, and I'm, not, and I'm not saying that's not, you know, refreshing or that that's bad. Uh, but there's a, there's a way in which that part of me can, overly crave, overly reach, overly depend on that. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's how that, that's how that part shows up in a misaligned way. So let's talk about your guys's, uh, Enneagram paths. So for the type six, you guys have the Enneagram path of type three and type nine. Those are the lines that are connected 
to you guys. And again, you use them either in misaligned or aligned ways, depending on if the wounded child or the beloved child is leading the way. So the type three part of your heart is efficient, effective, it's competent, um, adaptable, goal-oriented, uh, can be very competitive, uh, driven, and very charming. Now, it supports your main type uh, by creating creating supportive and loyal connections with others through accomplishments uh, and uh, determination in how they excel at all things. So when your type three part is kind of being or following the wounded child, some things can happen. You can get really busy to avoid feeling anxious. Uh, you might refuse to try something new if failure is a possibility. And you can worry about your self-image and about what others might think. But when your three part is following the leadership of the beloved child, other great things are starting to happen. Uh, you know how to respect yourself. You know how to trust yourself. You know how to be uh, confident and uh, assertive. And you're also going to start to meet goals. You're going to set those goals up and you're going to devise a system of what's most effective and efficient to accomplish those goals. And then you're going to start to move forward with confidence. And this isn't arrogance. This is the following the beloved child. So this is actually a healthy way where you hear your inner committee and you let them know, hey, I hear you. Thank you for chiming in with all of these thoughts. But here's the direction we're going to move in now. And we do it with assertiveness. Um, and that's when the six brings so much uh, discernment and wisdom that we all really get to enjoy. And I know you guys sometimes don't feel like you offer that because of the self-doubt, but that's really where the six can start to shine is, no, you guys are discerning. And so we want you to have a healthy sense of confidence to bring that forward. So why don't you guys let us know, how does the three show up um, in wounded child ways and beloved child ways? Yeah, I could share in brief. I mean, in, in wounded child ways, I noticed that I definitely overwork like you, like you mentioned, using busyness to try to avoid as a way to cope with anxiety. Um, and, uh, and then I, I can really find that I can be controlled by what I think others think of me. Um, mm -hmm. and that is painful. That's really painful. So that, that I've, I noticed that in the misaligned ways. Um, but my type three part of me is, is such a gift to me because when it shows up and when I'm aligned with the truth of the gospel, this part of me um, functions almost like this coach that says, go for it. Like you can do, yeah. you can do this and take a risk. Um, you know, there's this inner confidence. There's this trusting of mm -hmm. myself. And I also find that I just take action more decisively and, uh, and, and, and more efficient. So um, mm. yeah, that's, that's my relationship to the three. Mm. I think the same when I am um, in the wounded space of the three, I'm, very insecure and um you know all that self-doubt or second guessing yeah. or you know and i'll literally have to go to my husband and be like well what about I? and i have to run it out or talk it out like and and yeah. he just almost has to be a sounding board to me to be like you know that's not true or i don't think that person's really thinking that i think you're reading into mm. that the projection or whatever and um, I know when I'm kind of circling the drain there, it's like, okay, I'm not, I'm not in a good place there. And circling the drain, I love that. that just right. caught my imagination. Yes. Now. <laughs> I love that. So I just like, I just, I gotta like throw the life raft and, and get out. And then the healthy side is um, when I'm really, it's the best feeling because finally I'm like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm doing it. And it's a beautiful feeling of feeling, um, 
confidence. It's, it's the opposite of the insecurity. Yeah. Now I'm secure and I'm, and I know, especially in, in areas of my life, um, pockets of my life that I know I'm rocking it or I know I'm like when I'm coaching someone and I, and I know I'm right there and it's the mm-hmm. best feeling because you know, you're exactly right. what, you know, where you should be doing what you should be doing. And, um, it's just, you're, you're not even worried with all those, what ifs it, it everything goes yeah. away and you're right in that, in that space, in that wheelhouse. Yes. Mm. So good. Nate, what about you? Yeah, uh, so I've named my type three part champ. Um, yeah, so just based off of champion, because I think similarly to what you guys are talking about, champ uh, with the beloved child really becomes, um, uh, he really becomes what I and others know I can be. Um, in confidence and in faith, uh, but, uh, the wounded child, like you guys mentioned as well, is just very, uh, image focused. And so always worrying what others think about me. Um, and then, uh, I saw a lot of the overwork, uh, part of champ in college Mm -hmm. when I was doing college ministry and, uh, my junior year, I lived in the dorms um, to share my faith with students. And I saw a lot of guys uh, come to know Jesus. Um, but the second semester, um, we went to a large group meeting and I saw one of my old friends. And, you know, she was like, oh, it's so good to see you. I was like, yeah, I know. I feel like I haven't seen you this whole year. And I realized, like, man, I had my head down to the grindstone for the whole semester and I just Mm. stayed in the dorms and was only with those guys and realizing that uh, I didn't allow myself to go and be with my other friends I didn't give myself Mm. that freedom and so uh, champ with the wounded child can really kind of lock me in this mindset of this is what you have to do and this is what's going to be you know what, how you're going to succeed. And I love that. Cause I, I hope that the listeners, what they're hearing from you guys is that you're still a six, like Nate, what you're saying, like I am faithful and committed oh, and yeah. responsible to, you know, bring Christ to those in the dorm. So there's the six part of your heart. And then there's the three that adds the weight of accomplishment adds the weight of, um, you know, like we need to set up these goals and do it. And you know, like you said, you know, put your ni- your nose to the grindstone and never come up for air, you know. And so how they work together in those circumstances, that's where these aha moments come in. And it's so important for us to recognize how these parts of us show up in negative and healthy ways, because if we don't, we're either going to continue down the unhealthy path or if we might not even recognize how we can bring that healthy part into our life and assist us. So we want to recognize them both. Well, let's jump into the last part, which is the best part of you, the yes. type nine. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So us nines, what we bring to you no, uh, for good and not good um, is the type nine part of your heart is warm. And- I, I will say this. All of us sixes, Nate's not married, but we're all married to nines. That's right. There yes. you go. That's right. The best type. It really is the best <laughs> part of me. My best friend. I mean, if you're listening, if you're listening, my best friend's a nine. Part. Yeah. Oh, is that right? Yeah. 
That's awesome. It. Well, that's right. One of my great friends is a nine as well. That's very true. And best friend is a six. Hi. See? Like we're Hi. just trying to replicate. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, okay. So the type nine part of your heart is warm and loving, caring. Um, it's focused on affirming and supporting others' agendas. But it can also merge and over-accommodate to other people's desires just to keep the peace and not disturb uh, relationships. Now, the nine part supports your six type um, by um, being more trusting, encouraging you to rest, um, seeing that others have different viewpoints and so that you can kind of see those different viewpoints and not be so rigid on just your own viewpoint. And it's also more accepting and gracious. It's more recept- uh, It's more non-judgmental. Now, the way that nine can be misaligned in following the wounded child is that you might deal with stress by shutting down. Uh, that can be lots of different ways. It could be uh, numbing out with TV, video games, shopping, eating, you know, whatever. There's lots of different ways. But it definitely wants to get away from that stress, and those are some of the ways that it can do that. But it also um, assists you in forgetting yourself because you might be feeling that your security is at risk if you're focusing just on yourself. So you want to find this peaceful loyalty by focusing on other people's passions and desires and really trying to come through for them, hoping that you'll garner their affection, their relationship, uh, their loyalty, their commitment to you. Um, And then you might express irritations when others interrupt or disturb you because maybe you're just wanting some like cozy comfort. You you just want to have uh, comfortable routines going on and someone is disrupting that. But the good news is that when you're following the beloved child, the type nine offers you some really great attributes where you take the time to relax and enjoy the moments. Nate, you, that's what you were, you know, really talking about. Like enjoy the moments, just be, be in the moment, be in the relationship Um, And this is when your mind starts to slow down. Now, as a six, your mind is constantly racing. So we don't want those that are out there going, my my mind never stops. Well, it's never going to stop like a nines can, (laughs) Um, but it's going to slow down. It's going to help you to see really what's going on in the moment. Um, And it's, it's a reality check, but it's not a pessimistic check. It's a, what's really going on? Um, And then you might be able to emphasize empathize with others and to extend compassion because you're seeing through their perspective. And then lastly, just to be able to develop secure relationships with this calm, steady, stable presence, and that it's less reactive. So I'd love to hear from you guys, like how does the nine part of your heart show up in the wounded uh, child way and also the beloved child way? I really have a uh, love-hate relationship with my (laughs) nine part. Uh, So I actually call him Dobby. Uh, from Harry Potter. Um, mm-hmm. The reason that is, is because uh, as uh, many of you guys know, and uh, hopefully now as my mom's explained it, uh, the nine unaligned w- with the gospel is the blind spot of the type six. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time that my mom told me that uh, I was in college and every time I would come home for breaks, I would get <laughs> very lazy. Um, and just had no motivation to do anything. And like I said, five minutes ago that when I was at college, I was busy, busy, busy. Um, And so I was always like, what is this? And she was like, it's your blind spot. And, you know, she just told me like how we just go to the 
uh, slothfulness of the nine. And I was like, no, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't like that. And part it's of mainly for sixes, mainly at home or right. with like a really close friend. Um, sure. cause they don't want to do that. Like that's the opposite of what a six, the sixes want to be responsible and hardworking and dutiful. But this nine part, this wounded part, misaligned part will come out, you know, at home a little bit more often than they even recognize. Right. And so I named him Dobby because in uh, the second movie of Harry Potter, uh, you get to meet Dobby and his character is shown first as this loving character for Harry trying to protect him. But every way that Dobby is trying to protect Harry actually ends up harming him. And I kept finding that this nine part to me, this blind spot was showing up so much that it was keeping me from feeling confident in myself, from going out and doing the things that I wanted. And I felt stuck in this slothfulness. And so I kept using kind of these numbing agents in my life, whether it be food or TV and entertainment, you know, maybe even friends and um, all that stuff. And so... Um, but as I've gotten older and continued to work with Dobby, uh, what he's become is a calming presence. Um, like you said, mom, uh, uh, a presence that brings a lot of empathy. Uh, so as I've been, um, getting into more counseling, uh, things in education, um, I, I see Dobby using his real gifts as um being very empathetic being a great listener and being that place where someone can come and rest and as a six man i just want to champion that so much and so i'm so thankful for uh dobby but at the same time like harry was in the movies (laughs) just so frustrated with them when he was causing problems trying to help yeah oh that's a great example example. aaron or adam go ahead aaron um, yeah, I think for it's a double-edged sword with the nine because um, when I'm finally there and I'm having peace, um, it is really hard to, it's almost like I'm giving myself permission to finally be there. And um, so then it's like, oh, it feels so good. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of like, oh, I don't, I, I, you know, I have to almost be mindful of like, okay, you only get to hang out here for so long. Um, it's not, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? This is it's like a vacation. It feels good, <laughs> but like you can't exist here. Um, and then the other, the beautiful part of the nine, the beloved is um, two things that stand out is um, just really seeing both sides and, and yeah. um, not being so black and white or, you know, really. Um, right. It just it's it's just a nice place to to have those eyes of understanding everybody and really having that compassion, yeah. and it feels really great. It's a very kind of peaceful place, and then to um, have that when I am in that peace, it's like please don't interrupt that peace. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm on vacation, like please do yeah. not disturb, and you want to put a do not disturb mm-hmm. sign out, and when people do, it's like. I kind of get really ugly, you know, like I'm finally here and I checked all mm-hmm. my boxes and everything's done and I'm finally giving myself permission. So please don't, you know, 
don't interrupt. Like, it's just not going to be good. And sometimes I have to even tell my family that like, Hey, when I'm here, I'm chilling, I'm done. Mm -hmm. I'm off hours. Like I'm off duty and it's a no, you know, like, or, or I'll even have to say to protect myself or not get ugly. Hey, for the next two hours, it's really important to me. I'm doing this or, you know, I'm going to hot yoga, whatever it is, you know, I'm whatever. So, um, it's a beautiful place to experience that nine, but it also can be, um, I don't like it to be interrupted when I'm there. Yes. Yes. Well, just let you know, S nines don't like it being interrupted, which is (laughs) all the time. That's so funny. (laughs) Well, hopefully our listeners have really captured what it is that we're trying to capture with, uh, the Enneagram internal profile is that there are a lot of different parts to who we are and these various parts show up in helpful ways and unhelpful ways. One of the ways to help visualize that is th- uh, thinking like, uh, here we are, we're on a bus, and all of our various parts are on the bus. And it, the question is, who's driving the bus? Is it our wounded child? And are we using our connecting types and uh, in order to protect that wounded child? And are they driving the bus? Because if that's true, all the other kids are going to be anxious as well and functioning in unhealthy ways. But if visualizing the bus, if our beloved child is driving, you're going to find that all the other kids, they know their place. They know that they're secure. And so they don't need all these unhealthy coping mechanisms in order to relate to our world. In some ways, this is actually part of what it means to be coached with the Enneagram. It helps to give us clarity and specificity as to how to practice mindfulness. If you're interested in Enneagram coaching, you can actually find one of our certified coaches by going to www.myenneagramcoach.com. And we've got coaches all around the globe uh, that can help you in all kinds of different specific uh, niches. Aaron and Adam. Aaron, Adam, and Nate. That's exactly right. And if you're looking to learn more about your Enneagram internal profile, be sure to look at previous episodes. But don't forget to pre-order our new book, More Than Your Number. You can find it and pre-order anywhere where books are sold. It releases in September, where we actually walk through each of the principles of EIP, as well as applying it to each Enneagram type. And as always, remember, the Enneagram reveals your need for Jesus, not your need to work harder. It's the gospel that transforms us.